Welcome to episode 10, this very special installment of the Adelan Rising podcast, where today we are joined by actor, author, screenwriter, and comic book scribe Jeffrey Thorne. Mr. Thorne broke into Hollywood as an actor, starring as Officer Wilson Sweet on the television series In the Heat of the Night. He then went on to become a highly successful and prolific writer, penning novels such as Better Angels and Star Trek Titan, Sword of Damocles, anthology entries including Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Prophecy and Change, and Writers of the Future, Volume 22, as well as episodes for the television shows Law and Order, Criminal Intent, Ben 10, Leverage, and The Librarians. On top of that, Mr. Thorne has additionally penned dozens of comics, including The Red Line, Caffeine Dreams, Knight Rider, and most recently, Mosaic, which he co-created along with artist Carrie Randolph. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Thorne, and welcome to the show. Um, <clears throat> so Mosaic has been such a different and inventive and wild comic book hero, very much not in pace with the more traditional cape and spandex superhero fare. Uh, where did you come up with the original, you and, and Perry Randolph, come up with the original inspiration for this character? Well, here's what happened. Um, the short version is uh, Marvel Comics, I guess, does these sort of editor-writer public publisher summits where they go on some sort of a retreat and sort of the big names like Bendis and whoever else, like I guess in theory Mark Wade or whoever that is collected for each one of these things, they get together and they talk about what would we like to do? What kind of stories are you writers thinking about? Um, are there any directions that we could go we haven't explored? All of that kind of stuff. I'm, like the kind of thing you'd love to be a fly in the wall for and to which I have never been invited. So, um, <laughs> so, but apparently at some point, and this was a couple of years ago, or now, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, uh, they were talking about some sort of a revamp, not a revamp, but a re- reintroduction of the Black Panther, um, uh, getting his own series back and whatever. And um, my name was thrown into the hat as a potential person to do that, um, as was David Walker's and the person who got it, who had a Pulitzer, and why would they even bother and talk about that? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we did not know that at the time, so David and I were like, is it you? Is it you? And I'm like, it's not me. I don't know who it is. There's another guy. Who is it? Who can it be? You know? Like, oh, Christ, we were never getting this job. But... um uh, at the end of that, um, I ended up talking to Axel Alonso a few times over the course of that process. And even though I did not get the Black Panther, obviously, um, Axel was like, a lot of the stuff you pitched was really interesting, and we definitely want to work with you. So do you have any other concepts? And I was like, I just happen to have a few handy. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I pitched out some stuff, different things. I said, and also I asked them, like, what directions would you like to go in? Um, I tend to work much more towards a straight science fiction adventure vibe in my own stuff. And Axel was like, yes. And I was like, really? That fast? Okay. Um, and, uh, uh, so I pitched out a concept which did not have a title yet, which was basically, uh, I've always been fascinated with, um, the, I, I'm not really a big fan of people who say that could never really work. Right. When you're talking about superhero comics, like how does Superman do this? Why? Why would he put the glasses on? No one knows that it's Clark. I'm like, it's a guy who shoots lasers out of his eyes and can fly to another planet. And you're worried about why no one recognizes him when he puts the glasses on. What's wrong with you? 
Shut up and enjoy the comic book. You know? Amen. So, right? But from my point of view, there is a sense of, if you think about what life in Manhattan in the Marvel Universe must be like, these must be the hardiest, toughest, partially insane, regular human beings that would continue to live in New York City. Right? Right. Because every few weeks, someone's taking over the city. You know? Like, or they're starting their planetary conquest in Manhattan, you know? And I'm like, well, who lives there? Who would stay? These people must be just so, like, jaded and, and, and tough and just inured to the whole idea of, you know what? This is my town. I'm never leaving. Bite me. I don't care. I don't care if you're a goblin from frickin' limbo. You're gonna have to take this apartment inch by inch, you know? And, and, uh, what would the insurance rates be like? What would the rents be like? Oh my god, I don't you even know? want to think about that. <laughs> Insane, right? And also, like, what's it like to just be a paramedic there? What's it like to be a school teacher there? Right? At any point, one of your kids could suddenly be a mutant. They could have their, I'm my, my mutant coming out day in the middle well. of PE. You know? I think we're not covered in Moon Girl, man. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly, right, exactly, right. You know, and how does each teacher cope? What do you do? And by the way, her powers are benign, except for the freaking dinosaur. Like, if the dinosaur wasn't there, she's just a crazy smart girl, yeah, right? Much. So the teacher's not going to, um, you're not going to freak out that bad with her. But let's say you turn into a giant lizard monster in the middle of freaking gym class. You know, that's that's something that's not out of the question, right? It's not something that doesn't happen. In our universe, that would happen once and everyone would lose their damn mind. In the Marvel universe, that happens relatively frequently. So it's like, you know, mom, dad, I think I want to grow up and be a teacher, a school teacher. Where are you planning on going, honey? Well, I thought I'd teach in, in Manhattan. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I wanted to show us, I wanted, I wanted a character that could organically give us a view of all the different levels of the Marvel Universe, from street level all the way up to like Asgard or the cosmic outer space, right? But could plausibly be, could plausibly fit into any one of these things, right? It wasn't someone you're like, what's Spider-Man doing in Asgard? Someone really wanted to tie in Spider-Man and Thor for some reason. And it's, it, it's not organic, but, or more importantly, or, or differently, I would say, what the hell is Thor hanging out in Harlem for? Why would Thor be hanging out in Harlem? You better tell me an incredibly good story because this makes no sense, right? So, so the case, ultimate the tourist. Yeah, he becomes the ultimate tourist. That's that's sort of the fun in some ways for me as a writer. But from the audience point of view, you had to come up with a character who could plausibly flip from place to place, didn't have to worry so much about like teleportation or flight or you know, I don't have to explain every issue. Well, this is who Thor is, kids, and he does this. You know what I mean? It's like he gets the instant download. He doesn't have any problems of like, for the most part, he doesn't have the pop problem of how do I learn how to use the powers? Because he's not using the powers. He's using the person. The person already knows right. how to use the powers. So that, that solved a lot of problems. And actually, I was like, this sounds really cool. And my pitch was a much more sort of vertigo style book. It was much darker. It would have been much more like um, a John Constantine the way Constantine the way it used to be, right? Um, I have very much sort of what's delved into America, do all very political weird stuff. And Max was like, "Yeah, we're not doing any of that. You're crazy." <laughs> uh, but the shots we really liked, and we brought in flow, and we hammered out a version that I could be comfortable and happy writing, right? 
and that which would do the things I wanted to do with it, but would also feel from their point of view like not a slugfest Marvel comic, but one that fit into what they were trying to do overall with Marvel, especially with the whole Marvel Now push. So I was like, all right, cool. We did not have an artist. We messed around with a couple. Uh, we landed on Kari. I was thrilled. Kari came back with an amazing design. Uh, his initial design got modified a bit. Again, my, my descriptions of Mosaic in the original strips were very much, um, like a Ditko, Steve Ditko horror, um, thing where if he wasn't in the box, yeah, he couldn't control his, it, let me put it like this, would have been a much more decompressed story because a lot of it would have been like, how do I make myself even look to myself like a human being? Right? right. Like, the final form of Mosaic would have been as you see, but prior to that, he's just really a collection of information dots. So, um, holding itself together, making itself form into something he can recognize as a person, all that stuff would have been part of his journey. And Nick was basically like, Jeff, snap it up, dude. People don't have the attention span for this anymore. You can't, you can't keep it that slow. And I was like, all right. So, um, generally my response is all right. Like, hey, okay. <laughs> but, um, uh, so, and Kari's design was fantastic. And then Emilio, I think colorists in general don't get a lot of, um, a lot of praise when they often deserve it. And Emilio brings, I would say he is, Kari is the line art designer of, of amazement. Uh, uh, Emilio puts the, the, the sort of the icing, the beautiful icing, and he's a special effects guy. Like, he yeah. just makes it, it's amazing. Some of the stuff that he's done in that book, the audience will never know because they're going to attribute it all to Kari, which Kari's fantastic, but the, the colors is often the unsung hero. Um, yeah. And so the three of us, uh, and the three of us, we did not know each other. Um, we were put together on this project. As, you, as you're hearing, my vision of Mosaic was uh, somewhat different than what we ended up with, but not in a bad way. It wasn't like Marvel was strangling me to do something. It was just like, the way a freelancer works is you pitch out an idea and the editorial, uh, they say, well, that's mostly good, but there are some things you can't do because of X. For instance, you couldn't use character X because character X is going to be dead in two months and nobody knows that, so you can't have them. Stuff like Uh-oh. that. You know what I mean? That's like, so, that, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really, um, surprising to me because, you know, we're not to, to hear that it didn't all come together that it came together in separate parts like that because when you look at the book itself, you know, one of the things that really jumps out is the super keen synergy between the art, the writing, and the coloring. It's, uh, well, that was all, this is, this is one of the fun things I like, one of the reasons I like to do interviews is that when I was started reading comic books, nobody ever talked about this part of the process, right? And so the audience has this crazy, all these crazy conspiracy theories about how comic books get made, and I feed them, and I'm like, don't respond, don't respond, don't respond. You're a professional now, you're not allowed to argue in the forums, don't respond, you know? And what it really is, is, um, I, I wish the story was fast, I wish the story was some sort of like Indiana Jones, you know, combat to the, to the top of the pile and all that, but really I pitched them an idea they like. You know, yeah. and you can't be you can't be so married to your perfect vision that the people who want to pay you to write it, who do get some say because they're paying you. They're, I don't own Mosaic. Marvel owns Mosaic. You know, I created him, but they own it. Like well, if I'm ever off the book, God forbid, or if you know the book gets canceled or whatever, uh, I go away. And if in a year and a half someone goes, you know, Mosaic was really awesome. Let's get that book back. They may never call me. 
right? They could call hot writer du jour that week and say, you know what, Cullen Bunn, you write Mosaic now, right? <laughs> and then I'm just in the Wait. audience reading Mosaic, right? They could turn I him into a tell. villain. Whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, everybody has yeah. their favorites ever. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a sort of, um, it has to be collaborative. It, ha- it can't just be your pure artist vision. If you want that, you got to go to indie comics, which I do, right? Um, so, yeah, we all got together. And when I started seeing Kari's designs, it definitely shaped. It definitely, Kari becomes co-creator the instant he starts sending me designs. Because as soon as I see how he's going to draw Mosaic, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to do stuff like this. Because that feeds into the way Kari likes to draw, right? And uh-huh. the way he's sort of envisioning this world. And at that point, we become co-creators. Prior to that, I'm the creator. As soon as Kari comes in and starts sending me sketches, here's what I think Mosaic could look like. He becomes the co-creator because my writing style shifts to suit the way that the particular artist is drawing the book. Because you want the artist to be happy and excited and feel feel um, uh, connected and invested. And you don't want to write against what they do best, right? You know, right. and Kari is such a kinetic, such a vibrant, such a sort of energy-packed artist. You want to lean into that. You don't want to say, no, Kari, draw them standing in rooms talking. And I want to see her eyebrow go up on panel four and then go down in panel five. You know, so, it's like. That actually answers, uh, actually leads me to a question I would like to ask you. When, okay. when you do write your script for the book, do you just kind of let Kari go wild with the art and not really guide him with what you want? Or do you give him instructions on how you want things to look? I will do things. Um, it's very, it becomes fluid. When we first started, I didn't know. I don't know Kari. I mean, I'm in LA and he's in New York, so our contacts are on email. But, um, before I got used to him, my scripts were much tighter, I guess is the way you would say it, where I would literally draw, pardon me, I would literally write, um, you know, foreground, this is what's happening. In the midground, this is what's happening. In the far background, you have to see this. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Because I just didn't know who I was working with. I knew he could draw, but I didn't know how he would interpret the script, so I had to leave a little leeway for him to sort of um, flex, right? You know, um, sometimes right. artists will... I've worked with artists in the indie world, certainly, who you, who shall remain nameless, and luckily none of those books ever got named. Um, but they feel like they know how to tell the story better than you do. And so what you'll uh, get back pages will be, well, I'm, where did this unicorn come from? Why is there a unicorn? <laughs> There's no... I'm looking through the script. Did I inadvertently put a unicorn? There's no unicorn! You know? And the artist will be like, yeah, but it makes it look more dramatic. Cool. And I'm like, you're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. I don't... You, so you have no idea. Sh- but, we shouldn't expect unicorns to show up in issue five? No, it's no unicorn. No, it's no. No unicorns in issue five for sure. Not in issue five. I'm out then. Gonna- I'm out. I'm just out. I'm, I'm not reading it anymore. <laughs> you, yeah, I'm sorry to tell you. Issue five is the opposite of unicorns. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but yeah, watch, so, watch, um, watch Kari sneak, sneak a unicorn in there just, just to giggle. Uh, <laughs> well, Alright, well, let me say this, and I tell this a lot. This is, this is a good example of this image from issue one. Um, there's a fairly tight script. Um, there were things that I, that like, your editor will say, you don't need this, you don't need this. So there's things that were in the original script that you guys never saw because they were lifted out in the, in the, in the publication process, right? To make things more streamlined in some cases or whatever. But that final sequence in, in, in issue one, 
um, where they're running from the Russian guy and they're, they're breaking into the thing and all that stuff. There's no, that didn't happen in the rain when I wrote it. Oh. oh. Yeah, see, when I handed off that script, that was just that afternoon or whatever after all of this crap happened, right, or that early evening. And then um, all the stuff happens just as you saw it, blah, 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 blah. And then I saw the line art that came back from Kari. It was gorgeous, just as you saw it, had the shadows and all the stuff I wanted, very sort of ominous Gotham City-ish, whatever, um, whatever. And then we saw the, then we saw the, then we saw the colors and it was happening in the rain. And you're like, I didn't write that, but it's absolutely correct for what's happening. And, and you get that fantastic last image of the puddle in which you can yes. see mosaics, right. uh, reflection. And that leads you to what, what is the, what's, what's the point of an editor in a situation like this? I'm a relatively, I'm a relatively successful writer. Car is a successful artist. Do we need an editor? That image in that puddle came from Nick Blow. I did not write that and nobody drew it. That was just a kid uh-huh. looking out in the water. And Nick, just one note, let's have that mosaic shadow in the, uh, in the puddle there. And that's what image you ended up with. So it's collaborative. It's mostly me writing, and it's mostly Kari and Emilio making the art, and it's mostly Nick shaping things, but it's a conversation between the four of us, you know? And wow. then you see the sort of the results of that conversation. Um, uh, so that's a good example. Um, so, but as we move forward, um, Kari's got a better feel for the characters. For instance, Cece didn't have an ethnic description. Kari decided to make her Asian American. She's Asian American. Done. Very cool. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not like that. Whereas the, the doctor, what's his name at the beginning of the I can't remember the guy who's helping them with the cocoon. I specifically made him South Asian. You know, mm-hmm. wrote that into the script. So that's how Kari drew him. But like, it's, it's not as, it's not me bossing them around. It's very much a conversation between the four of us. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow, that is cool. Um, <clears throat> so, after a couple of uh, body jump possessions, uh, <laughs> M- Morris, he ends up in the paramedic's body, and he is just incredibly hungry. He's totally famished. Um, yep. You know, one doesn't think of an incorporeal being as needing food, yet the energy has to be coming from somewhere. So is, is that what's going on here? Yes, it is. Um, and we can talk about that. Uh, I will do something that I normally don't do because it's you guys' podcast. I will tell you anything you want to know about how Mosaic powers actually work. If you ask me the right questions, I will tell you. Uh, <laughs> in this particular case, in this particular case, you've asked the right open door question. Mosaic is not a disembodied being. He has a body somewhere, right? He was an inhuman. He's not an energy being. He has a body, right? And in that first moment when his idiot girlfriend freaks out and zaps that body, it forced his first jump. But think about what you saw in that first issue. He rises up out of the coon as a physical being, right? He's having a hard time, right? He's having a hard time talking. When he, you're in his head, he's trying to say things, but they're coming out as grunts and roars, and he looks like a slimy monster. Right? So his girlfriend <laughs> right. freaks out, hits him with one of these weird prototype zap stick things, right? Forces That's... him as a, right, as a reflex to jump out of his body. Something he's never done, doesn't know is possible, doesn't know how to do. So, for instance, how can he fly in later issues? Never occurred to him 
he just fell because that's what you expect. You feel like you do when you fall out of a 30 second story window. You fall, you know? So he lands in the first jump is an accident. He lands in five, right? And so the, the game begins at that point. But um, given enough time, if you were to go back to all these previous issues, you'll see that I'm telling you how his powers work. He's meant to be projected out of that original body. Right? So when, when, when Pops makes his news conference and, and says that, that his son has died, he might not be telling the truth. He might not be telling the truth, or his son might appear to be dead. Sorry, wasn't there a comment made in one of the issues, and I can't remember if it was in a comment or or whatever, that his his dad kind of said, he's in a coma. Yes, at first. Yeah, right. So, so, first he's in a coma. Yes. (laughs) So they think, right, so from the point of view of of the people in the room, she hits him, he collapses, what the hell? Right? And he doesn't get up. He's apparently dead, but he also looks like a giant inhuman monster. So is he really dead? Let's keep an eye on it. You know, we don't know. Um, and, but we followed Mosaic. We didn't follow them. So we don't know exactly what they were doing in this situation. The next jump. And for all, right. When you see him try to get back to his dad and he falls down and jumps out of the body, you see what kind of happens when someone sees him leave a body. They just see a person collapse. They're like, what the hell just happened? Right. Yeah. Well, that's what happened in issue one. He just collapsed, and they're like, "What the hell just happened?" And they're going with what they know. Ah. About right. Ah. Very cool. So, yes. Cool. No, yeah. I'm getting it's it. Almost as if it's almost as if I thought about this stuff. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so forget all of that stuff and picture this. What would have happened if no one had zapped Mosaic in that first moment? He would have stood up. Everyone would have accepted him into a loving embrace of his friends and family. He would have been a seven foot tall and nearly seven foot tall guy with a black bolt slash locked off fork in his head who was learning how to speak again, right? Has no idea how to jump out of his body, doesn't know what his powers are, there's no one there to tell him, right? He just looks weird, right? And over the course of a few days, he probably would have settled down into some newer routine, try to figure a way to exploit his powers, and at some point send out a body. He'll send out his Let's, we won't call it spirit, but his energy form, he'll, he'll kick it out. It'll come out, do something, and come back. But you're right. It's a hell of a lot of energy to sustain a coherent, um, a coherent plasma body requires an incredible amount of energy. So the instant he's back in a body, that body has to compensate for the energy expenditure. Uh, so that's why the cap was so hungry. Yeah, cap. Right. And remember, he jumped a bunch of bodies by the time he got the cap. Without thinking about eating or sleeping, right, Oof. right, right. Plus, so does that have an cool. effect on the body that he left behind? That's a question. Um, I I decided not to do that. I wanted to have him leave as little footprint behind in the body that he was in. So the the problem, the, there's a set of body problems. Let's say I'm handicapped or I've been injured, whatever. Clearly, if you kill someone or violently injure them with mosaic in them, he feels the pain of it. But as soon as he's out of the body, the fact just left with the body. He doesn't carry the pain with it. On the other side, well, things that happen to mosaic don't necessarily affect the body. Certainly won't be. Well, that's it. That, that, that segues to an interesting question because, you know, Morris, he's able to absorb a lot of the skills and knowledge of the people he possesses. You know, he, he can retain a lot of their strengths. 
mm-hmm. their ability to speak different languages, to have uh, engineering aptitude or even scientific acumen. But, yep. but what about their what about their weaknesses? I mean, uh, so yeah. far. He's he's possessed people who are relatively sound in terms of their psychological health. What would happen if he possessed someone with like a substantial mental illness? Like Maximus. Well, exactly. <laughs> you, you hit on it. He would be mentally ill. He would while he was in that body, he would be mentally ill. He would have to but, very very. It would take a lot of energy for him to maintain control of that person. It would it would he would spend most of the time trying to just control the person. Not being oh. Would he take any of that with him when he exited, though? Yes. He, he right now in this in this phase of his power development, he does not know exactly what he's doing. There are things that we all are looking at doing because we're familiar with comic books and everyone's making the dead man's comparison. Ah, so, uh, yeah. But uh, but the thing is, is he doesn't exactly know what he's doing. So there's going to be some conversations in in I think in six. We will talk a bit about that, which you just asked, so I don't want to spoil that too much. Okay, but, got it. Um, basically what happens is he can store a certain, he can consciously store a certain amount of your personality and data, right? He jumps into you, jumps into your friend, jumps into the next person, and he carries most of that with him as he goes. But the more he brings in, some of it gets shoved out. Ah. Uh, he doesn't hold everything it- ever. And it's something of a bilateral process because Fife was able to retain some of Morris's memories, although fleeting, and then also could see Morris in his incorporeal form. Fife is unique. Um, oh. He's unique. Oh, okay, okay. Fife is unique. Fife is unique. Um, although you did see in issue one, and I, I, it's, my, it's me being clever, a little bit too clever by half, I think. Uh, looking back on it, because I think I'm being all like, okay, they're not going to notice this, but in issue 50, they're going to realize in issue one that I was, <laughs> you know. But if you think about what happened when he jumped into Beto, Beto's um, emotional structure overwhelmed Morris for a minute, because Beto was so much in love with Angel that Morris did the things that Beto would have wished to do. Uh, right? He followed uh. through, yes. Right. He followed through on Beto's things because he wasn't in control and Beto's emotion about Angel was so big that it's like, holy crap. And he says, oh, my God, I've got to really hold this tight in this issue. I think I'm getting a handle on it. I got to really hold these people tight when I jump into them. Otherwise, I'll go like that. So um, so the stronger the will uh, or as he saw with Spider-Man, the more times they've been taken over by people. Oh, I hope you love this. This is something I haven't said to anybody. Let's, it's not whether he takes over somebody who's crazy. That's like if he took over the Joker, that's the end of Mosaic for a while. <laughs> okay. Okay. He'll be crazy and dangerous for a while. Okay, but let's say he took over Wolverine, who has a healing factor. Okay, normally when he takes over your body, there's a certain amount of time that uh, he has to stay in the body before the body will reject him, which we haven't even shown yet. You, your natural body responses will ultimately reject Mosaic. Okay, a normal person. You don't have the superpowers or anything special. He stays in your body too long. It will absorb him. It will eat him. Oh, okay. okay. He doesn't know that yet. He doesn't know that yet. Hasn't been introduced in the comic book yet. Okay. I can't wait for that, <laughs> but, though. Right? Spoilers there. <laughs> right. Here's another one. If he stays out of the body too long, he will dissipate. He will just break up into that. I think we knew. Right. So, but he doesn't know. He doesn't know yet. So. 
we'll have stories that will start to illustrate that. How long can we stay in? All that kind of crap. But if you were to jump into Wolverine or Sabretooth or, in theory, the Hulk, any version of the Hulk that isn't crazy, they all have... Um, yes, any of them. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, they all have massive healing factors. So the time that he... Stop it! Stop. <laughs> um, their healing factors would kick him out faster. He would start to be wild by them and have to retreat faster than in a normal person. So this is what I was trying to get across uh, in, the, in the Spider-Man issue. He's not using psionic energy, whatever the hell that is. Right? He's a physical... He's a new nervous system for your body. He is a... He is a it's a physical takeover. It is not a mental domination on the astral plane. None of that crap, right? In theory, telepath could attack him. In theory, a telepath could attack him separately to the host that he's in. Like he can attack oh, well, him. Oh, that's kind of crazy. Right. He, he, so he's he, a, a neurological being, not a psychological, not a telecological being. That's right. He's not. Yeah, he's not a psionic being. There's no psionic energy going on. None of that crap. At least while Jeff's writing it, that's not the case. Right? Any other writer can retcon whatever the hell they want. But, so, uh, so in 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 theory, in IVX four, when we're seeing the hints of uh, mosaic kind of possessing Magneto, in in theory, um, sort of like the Jean Grey, the Emma Frost, could potentially mm-hmm. sort of like split him apart from Magneto. Um, here's the thing. Yes, in theory, it's a theory. Um, you guys are deep into the um, uh, inhuman history and culture, so we can talk about this, and you can tell me where I've got something wrong, and I'll <laughs> listen. Um, but my feeling about the inhumans has always been, these, they were weapons created by the tree, hmm. right? Yes. Uh, biological weapons for use in some wars we're never going to fight on Earth, we'll never know about, against beings we'll never meet, right? And so, to me, that always explained why there's so many different kinds of inhumans. Right? If I'm creating biological weapons to fight a galactic wars against races that human beings can't even conceive of, then um, I'm going to need all kinds of different kinds of creatures that uh, I'm going to make out of my bioweapon. So, but they would still break down into categories. So, for instance, Black Bolt, who is basically a cosmically level empowered, without the voice, even without the voice, cos- almost godlike level power. Right? He's somebody, yes. if you're going to fight if you're going to fight Asgardians, you want a troop of Black Bolt, right? And you might actually win, right? So, um, and you'll notice something that no one seems to have noticed ever and why I gave Mosaic one of those forks. Only Black Bolt and Lockjaw have those forks in their forehead. Yeah. Right? Um, yes, no one's do. ever pointed that out. And I was like, that must denote a power level. Look at what Lockjaw can do. Look at what Black Bolt can do. They're both. And neither of them can really talk power. either. I always thought there they were. Right? Hmm. And so I picture Black Bolt like a, a, a smart bomb, like a smart atomic bomb. Like if you want to wipe out a planet, you send 10 Black Bolts and say, talk and blast things. And whatever armies they've got, too bad. Right? Uh, but with Karnak, what is Karnak? He's a field battle computer. You don't need to bring any tech. When you've got Karnak, you just give him some binoculars. What do you <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Right? What do we do, Karnak? And so the way they played him is he's the best fighter. He can see all the weaknesses in your body. But let's say he's looking at a battle plan with maps and armies on it and all that. Oh, that's where you hit him. Why wouldn't we blow up that dam? That's way over there. Just do it. 
you know, and then you do it and you realize you wiped out your enemy and it's like, well, we had a Karnak with us, you know, so, and so on and so on. So they break They're down. They're all a, classifications of weapon. Right. I mean, this Neat. is just my theory. I wrote a book. Right. Hasn't it been stated in the Inhuman books, though, that um, at this point with Terragenesis, it seems that, you know, whatever, like, nature or whatever feels that is needed at the time is what gets... You know what I'm My saying? My interpretation, like, yes. I, I think you can split the difference. I, I never step on another writer's toes, obviously. Uh, if someone put down, if someone ever wrote a book that this is it, this is the actual only way it can be, then that would be the only way it can be. Right now we have a little bit of a gray area where that can both be true, what you just said about the genesis. But also remember, these these gene structures were created by the tree. So it doesn't matter how random it looks to us. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. You don't know the enemies that the Kree were worried about fighting in these crazy wars. Why would you create a weapon that has giant folds of living hair? Right? <laughs> I don't know. Into, and I, then you have ones that are like that can turn into giant engines and doors that transport you where you need to be. And... <laughs> exactly. Like, why would you do that? But if, of course, we don't know. This has happened bill- millions and millions and millions of years ago. Who knows what the hell the Kree were pissed off about back then? Right? <laughs> So, and, and who knows what crazy alien races they have to deal with. So my feeling about, this all leads up to this. When I created Mosaic, my idea was, he's an infiltrator. He's the perfect spy. Right? He is, uh, yeah. We now, saw that in know, uh, Civil War. Right. I mean, he's, 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 he's that. He, is, he was designed to be that. Now, his personality isn't that. He's kind of a showboat and an ass. But, uh, <laughs> but the power set that he got was a spy power set. In theory, you'd have an army of mosaics. Think about what you could do with an army of infiltrators like that, right? Yeah. But, but the Kree also know that there are telepathic races. So he is, he's hidden from them. You, I would like to say this. If they knew to be looking for him, then they'd probably be able to spot him. But he's not similar enough to a normal human mind when he's not in a human mind, to mm-hmm. be detected. They, he would read as background noise to a telepath. Right. It's right? interesting. So, right. so they'd have to consciously know he existed and know he was in the vicinity. He's not going to ping any of their defenses, right? Because he exists like the way a plant would. They don't read plants, right? They're just reading right. human right. mind. So now, bearing in mind, I have no contact like with... the on the wall. Exactly that. I have no contact with IVX. I was not consulted very much at all about how they're using him in the story. I've read it since it's been becoming uh, public, more public, but I, I was not part of the sort of crafting of the, of the, of the battle between the humans and the mutants, even though Mosaic's in it, which is why I try to stress to people, this is not a unilateral organization where we all get together in a group and decide to map out, you know, the next five years of inhuman-human-mutant relations. It doesn't work like that. Um, sometimes writers get pulled up short. Sometimes writers mm-hmm. don't have enough time to do the necessary research or whatever. Sometimes you need a plot device and you're like, uh, Scarlet Witch, she can do that. Bring her in. <laughs> Why would she be there? I don't know, but we need her, so she's in. Figure it out. You know? Um, so it, 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 it's not hostile, but I think the fans assume it's a much more cohesive, much more regimented, much more organized, um, situation backstage than is actually going on. It's much more like, um, stagehands running around plugging leaks and <laughs> writers quickly changing lines as actors are about to run on stage and the actor's like, but where do I even say this? Oh, there's the lights of that. You know? Well, that's, and, 
That is very cool. So, if if as lo- if long as uh, Emma Frost or whatnot is not looking for him, uh, they will not see it. I mean, it's they, this goes yeah. very much hand in fist with what you were saying about him being more of a neurological agent than a telepathic agent. You know, it's like a a blastoma. You you only you can only find it if you're actually looking for it. That's right. Um, That's right. Very very cool. Very I, I think that. I think that um that 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 uh, Charles Soule and, and and Jeff Lemire will be respectful of what you've been doing. Yeah, so I mean, far, they, so far. I hope so, at least. No, I, I'm not against him. I, I'm I'm ahead of you guys. I've read some of the stuff that's coming up, and I have no complaints. He looks fine. Oh, I, that's I, good. Yeah, yeah. He he, he they, they and uh and in our issues and our upcoming issues, we're going to also explain why Mosaic looks different in in Humans Eleven and in IVX. Than he does in his own book. Uh-huh. <laughs> That'd be cool. Wow. Okay. Now, I'm, now I'm really looking forward. To <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's such a cool character to see him already popping up like all over the Marvel universe. I think that's that's awesome. I, I, yeah. I really like him. Obviously, I wish the sales were higher, um, but I'm not complaining. They're they're steady, and uh, we've got we're definitely gonna we're definitely gonna meet up with Inhumans because we have to. So you guys are going to get your little treat there. And I hope I've done it in a way that you'll be like, what the hell? Like, my, <laughs> I'm okay with that. My, yeah. whole, my whole thing is like, I want to show you a slightly different aspect of what you think you know. So that yeah. you know it doesn't change anything. I'm not changing people's personalities or anything like that. But this weird little aspect of the universe that the average person would be like, they would just gloss over its background. And be like, oh no, mm-hmm. obviously that must have happened. You know, so like right. that. It's gonna be fun when he meets you. When he meets the humans, it's gonna be fun. I can't wait. Yeah, looks like the uh, the April issue, if the uh, cover previews are to be believed, uh, uh, we'll finally get to see him, him interact. He, he meets him in six. He meets him in six. Six. Yeah. Okay. All right. Pick. Yeah. I I can't Uh-oh. imagine that Morris, just knowing his personality, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would bow down to a queen. Um. <laughs> I, I, I can see their their the initial hitting it off is not going super well between him and and the royal inhumans. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Okay. <laughs> Next question then. Um. <laughs> I, oh, I'll tell you this: it's not going to go how you think it's going to go. Interesting. Let me put it like is, that. You, Morris, is, when you meet the inhumans, I guarantee you, no one predicts how this will go. Oh, I can't wait. Excellent. You, you, do you think there's a particular member of the Inhuman cast whom uh, Morris would get along especially well with? Yes. yes. At least yes. two. At least All right, two. So That's good. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Okay. Um, you know, switching gears to uh, okay. avoid further spoilers, you know, um, in, in in just the first four issues, we've seen Mosaic possess um, the bodies of a very highly diverse group of people. You know, you got Fife, who's a, a, a young black teenager, the, the the businessman who the older businessman who is from Korea, um, uh, Beto, who is a, a Latino would be criminal, Cap, who's a white paramedic, uh, Cece, who is uh, Asian woman who's also a lesbian, and then Spidey. All of this must be really expanding on what Morris's notion of a uh, uh, just basic notion of racial and cultural identity. 
without spoiling anything further down the line, I have to imagine that his idea of what exactly constitutes identity is going to get is going to be quite intense. Um, okay, how do I put this? Morris, in theory, let's say that it made it to issue fifty. Okay? Mm-hmm. This is a type many writers entertain that their book will make it to issue fifty. Uh, I'm going to pretend that I'm one of those writers. Um, but uh, he will become more alien so that if you took the Morris from issue 50 and compared him with Morris as you met him, they would be very different people. Um, he will become more alien in the sense that his idea of good and right and wrong will be very different than um, the average super being because he will have been inside so many different kinds of people by then that as we always say, we are all the hero of our own story. So right. I never, I never understand a villain that stands up and says, "I am the evil," blah 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 blah. You know, I'm like, really? <laughs> you think you're evil? You think you're evil? Weird. Okay, <laughs> let's go with that. But um, in reality, everyone has justifications for why they do what they do, uh, why their life, why life has treated them the way it's treated them, and this is my response to it. And he will have, in theory, over the course of many issues going through so many different walks of life, you know, they literally walk a mile in the shoes of so many different kinds of people that yeah. some of his good friends over the course of his career will be what everyone else considers to be a villain. He would definitely make friends, deep, real, long-lasting friendship with at least one actual superman. Oh. Interesting. The That's other cool. people will be like, what is your problem that you don't know? You just don't know. You can't judge him this way. You can judge his actions or her actions. I don't know which of the villain it would be. It's going to be one of them, though. (laughs) Shut up. Very cool. Micro, 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 micro spoiler. Um, He will, over the the next three issues, I forget which one, which exact moment it's in, he will express a little bit of what it feels like to be him right now. He doesn't lose everything when he jumps out of a host. Um, he keeps little tiny bits of everyone he's been into. Okay? Which is why he is a fan. So, those memories are not his own memories, but he has direct and constant access to them. So, after a certain point, when do they stop? The, that influence becomes part of them. Right? So, if, for instance, he only jumped into people like Captain America, he jumped into 100 Captain Americas in a row, that's going to influence him. It's going to shape the way he sees the world, whether he's conscious of it or not. That's right? fantastic. Somebody near to him, who's close to him, let's say he had one friend who was with him the whole way, would be able to say, you know, last year you were kind of a dick, and now you're saving busloads of runs for no reason? <laughs> 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 There's nothing uh, in it for you. Busloads of nuns. You know, so I mean, the whole point of it is that journey. You guys, one of the reasons I like the podcast and that I, I would say, really like you know, chasing people, calling and talking, which is not true. Um, but the reason I wanted to do this is because it's nice to be able to talk about some of the themes that are being expressed. And at this very early stage, from my point of view, some of where might might end up going. He's not going to have the kind of, or I should say, not. And also, it's the nature of his power never to have that problem. Right? Why would you have this yeah. power if you couldn't handle all the different? It doesn't make any sense, right? He's a human. He's not a guy with that specific power. This is, this is him. It's not a power. It's him, right? It's not my power. A cat doesn't have the super power of being able to see in the dark. They can just see in the dark. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> God, how do I handle this great responsibility of night business? <laughs> <laughs> that was actually, speaking of responsibility, that that scene in the um, issue four where where he sees he sees what uh, Uncle Ben had said yeah. to Peter Parker that bit of advice, and then Mosaic was like, "Screw that." Yeah, he was getting out of bed. Really great, actually. Well, I mean, listen, Mars is an asshole. Okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love Mars, but he's shit. He's raised to be the way that he is. He's never had a reason to question any of his, his father's philosophies. Life has never told him anything different. You know, we're, yeah. we are because of our, of our upbringing and how life treats us. I mean, like, uh, I live in, I live and work obviously in Los Angeles. There are a lot of people who, for whatever reason, they get told yes to every question. The answer to every question is yes. Someone very early, and then people out in the world wonder why they become jerks and monsters. It's because life told them that anything they want to do is okay. Right? Mm-hmm. right. So, um, so with Morris, it's a very similar situation. He himself is probably, I mean, a basically decent person, because most people are. You know, um, but he's he has no reason. He has nothing in life has told him to be altruistic. Nothing in life has told him that other people matter beyond himself and his father. Like not just him and his dad being dicks in the corner. All of life tells him it's okay to be exactly the way you are. The only people who are ever mad at you are people who are jealous of you. If you spend your entire upbringing feeling that way, and then Uncle Ben says, you know, you have a gift. Yeah, probably ought to be responsible with it. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm rich, and every girl wants to sleep with me. Bite me, okay? <laughs> so a superpower in itself, right? Exactly. Right. And by the way, before he got this, Morris was already the equivalent of a superhero. He's a basketball star. Yeah, right. right. Celebrity. Okay. Right. Celebrities can get away with murder sometimes. Literally sometimes. So, yeah. uh, so, but if he was a basically decent person to start with, so it's nature versus nurture. Nurture has told him to be a jerk. Now his nature is going to force him to be whatever he was really supposed to be. I don't know. Morris might turn out to be a really massive asshole super boy. I don't know. We don't know yet. Because that's the fun of it. Something could happen. Like, if he has the right tragedy. I mean, I personally, by the way, I hate Magneto. Hate Me Magneto. too. I think he's a what? I can't believe that he's being tolerated by these other mutants. I don't believe people don't just murder him on sight the instant they have a chance. <laughs> he's killed, personally killed thousands of human beings. Yep. There's no justification for that. I don't care what happened to you in World War II. That doesn't give you a pass on the people you murdered. Innocent people. Okay. So I can't stand the idea of that. So if something that like mind-breakingly bad happened to him, that could justify, all right, I'm going on a killing streak. That's possible. That's possible, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Um, so we 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 shouldn't hold our breath to see the Punisher show up in Mosaic. Then I hate the Punisher <laughs> slightly less than I hate Magneto. I'm not a big fan of murderers. Except. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, yeah. Especially when they were created to be villains. They were both created to be villains. <laughs> There's a reason. The Punisher is a monster that Spider-Man used to smack around. Why do you like the Punisher? He's a bad guy. Those bad guys. No, he's a murderer. Yeah. I, I, I think the uh, I think the Daredevil TV show 
uh, tried to soften, Uh-oh. not not soften him, but it, it tried to tried to justify him in a way that <laughs> yeah, to, to no, people. But sorry, I could actually nope. see Mosaic and Matt Murdock being pretty tight, actually. <laughs> yep. What's well, great about Matt. Matt is like the perfect lawyer, though, right? Uh, he's well, we trade that. I don't think Matt would like like Morris right now, but as Morris evolves, they're kind of they have a similar view of the world. Yeah, that's what I was they thinking. Have a similar view of the world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would love him to get out more into the Marvel universe, but I also like my big plan would be to have you guys, you people in the audience, everyone in the audience, really get to get a sense of what it's like to live in the Marvel universe. Just yeah. like you and I were all living there, what would it be like for us? So there's going to be segments where he's hanging out with Fife, right? And Fife is not in any way connected to the super community. He's just a guy. He has one unique quality that will be explored, I hope. Um, which, and it's not even a quality, it's a weird coincidence of how he and Morse melded that first meld is different mm-hmm. than the other melds. The way that he was. Is it because Fife it was the first meld? God bless you, you're a genius. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Awesome. You can never forget your first time. You're <laughs> <laughs> right. That's kind of right. Um, the, the, again, it goes back to how to, always, with me especially, I always ask the question, what would have happened if the thing you're seeing had not happened? Luke Skywalker had not been, if he stayed on Tatooine, if he listened to his aunt and uncle and never gone into town like that. Right? He hung out on Tatooine. How would the whole Star, Unit, Star Wars universe have been shaped? Right. If, right. If uh, if uh, if Maul had not killed Qui Gon, how would things have gone? Right. And I think about it all the way out to distance, and then I go, okay, well that didn't happen because that's what could have happened. So in this case, what would have happened to Morris had uh, Tia not zapped him? That, I always go back to that first origin moment because his power is not I'm a disembodied. Whatever. His power is, I can send myself out and come back. That's what his actual power is. But he's not in his body. He's being forced to sort of live off of him. Right? And what you're getting is the modification of what... Oh my god, I wish I could explain it. Circumstance has gotten in the way. Nature is, nature is reshaping him into something new. He is being forced to adapt in every issue. Everything he's doing in these comic issues is not the way his power was meant to work. He's meant to go out, get information, and get back in his body so he can tell whoever sent him whatever information he got. He's been living outside his body and having to figure, not consciously, but figure ways to stay alive, figure ways to jump from body to body. All that stuff, none of that was in the program. He's just been sent out his body, take the information from one person or two people, come back home, disseminate it, rest, and then go do it again. Right. It kind of remind it kind of reminds me of the uh, Jason Bourne uh, novels where like he's the super spy but he loses his memory and doesn't you know he has all these skills but doesn't know why. Exactly it. That's exactly it. Cool. That's exactly. So like if you had like by issue fifty, let's say we took him out into outer space and he met some of the other Kree infiltrators, but from other planets and other societies, they know what they're. Why is he not in I mean, Royals? Oh my god, that would be insane. I know, right? It would, wouldn't it? <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Oh, huh? uh, whatever. But yeah, so I mean, now, anyway, go. No, ask questions. I'll talk all day. Oh, right. not, I could be here all day. That's 
great. <laughs> <laughs> it's not part of uh, the the current trajectory, but um, one of the things that intrigues me the most about this character is the potential to explore the ways in which our physical attributes uh, contribute to our personality. You know, because you know our brains are all relatively the same, but then you know we have different bodies with different uh, features and different skin tones and different cultural backgrounds. But, um, you know, with, with, with Mosaic, he can walk in the shoes of all these different people and it, and it offers this really neat space to explore the nature of identity. Um, you know, for me, I'd be almost, it'd be almost too blank a canvas. I wouldn't know where to begin. Uh, but um, do you have plans to kind of try and tackle that subject matter? Yes, I do. I have. Um, all right. I will tell you this because it's something that gets negotiated. And so this is what I would like to do, but whether we ever see it in this form, that's up to Marvel. Right. Like, you know, the writers say, here are my plans that I'm laying out for X number of arcs for this character. And then Marvel says, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, here's what you might do. Alternatively, blah, 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 blah. Like I said, it's always a fluid conversation. But the thing that I, at least in terms of how I work, I don't know how the superstars work. Maybe they get to slap down a uh, manuscript and go, ha, no credit. But, um, <laughs> that's not, that's not my status right now. Um, what I would say is this. I have several characters that I would like to introduce that I, um, have inklings of coming up, like things that look like they're innocuous. Really look at these panels sometimes because some things that are written on the walls or on the face of a cabinet or something could turn out to be important later. Um, I love that. that. Spider Woman. Good. Um, apparently, apparently we're going to meet up with Spider Man. Uh, Spider Woman. Apparently we're going to meet up with Spider Man. I have no knowledge. I have no knowledge of a Spider Woman meetup, but apparently it's definitely going to happen. So. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm saying, based on our conversation, it seems like it's just already out there in the future, and I just have to. I would love it because she's my favorite. But I was just saying that how stuff that seemed innocuous, because there's stuff in that comic which made me think of it, because there's stuff in Spider Woman right now that Hopeless put in there a year ago, a year and a half ago, and then now it's coming up to this arc, and it's all playing out in this arc, and it's insane. And I love that kind of stuff. So the fact that you're doing it. With Mosaic now makes me going to go back and reread it all so that, you know, 10 issues from now when you pull it back out again, I go, holy shit! Don't put <laughs> I can't anything, wait for it. I've never put anything, <laughs> in, anything that's actually there. Anything Very you cool. see is there on purpose. And, uh, the only thing I would say is like maybe graffiti written on the walls in an alley. That's probably the artist. But um, mostly they're the things that you, people you meet, you can, there's no one innocuous, there's no one starting. Uh, stories for all of them, whether they are told, that's up to know. But in my mind, I have to know each one of these characters and what their lives are. Uh, there was a whole sequence with Kenny and his mom that we didn't have space to put in. The whole life going on there that I wrote about, we just didn't have space in 20 pages to squeeze in. So, um, um, but the, to the original question, um, there is a character, Morris has been a very physical person for almost, obviously his whole life. Uh, he's been dating a very physical person, at least one, you know, and probably more before that. Sure. So, um, uh, so he's used to trusting his body to get him. Right? You know, he's their mind. 
like how they are around Rockstar. Right. So, um, and he's been the lovely focus of all that mind losery. Uh, and has had a fairly, a lot of guys would love the mind and you're quite right to point out he has no body anymore. And he's already been in a couple of bodies that don't work as well as his did. So he's not very right. happy with them, right? Like, holy crap, this kid can't run at all. Right. You know? But um uh uh so I wanted to give him a love interest or even a need for a love interest at one point. He's gonna he's grown mad and he's currently heterosexual man. Um and uh uh, he needs someone, at some point he's gonna need someone to talk to, someone he's close to. Beings need that. And he can't touch anyone. No one can see him. Uh, and then I introduce a character who he can interact with in an interesting way, is female and straight. And, uh, uh, also way more moral in some respects than he is, or almost every respect that he is, that he really can't get out of his head. Uh, and it will be a, it, if we get to this in Marvel, let's make it. It'll be a brand new character that we've seen before. In a specific, I've heard they run heroes and villains having their own relationships and not like you know, stealing Doctor Doom because it's cool and to be able to do it. My guy, I think he's a fantastic character. I'm not a villain. You know what I mean? So right. uh, I'm really trying to. The next arc after this will be really. All this has been everything you've known, Morris. If I'm talking to Morris, this first arc is everything you've known is useless now. The whole, your whole life is over. It's over, right? And that, that's very, I hadn't even thought about that, but so far, I mean, he, he's jumped into the five men who presumably are, um, heterosexual and one woman who, who is, who's lesbian. So he has not yet, uh, been into the body of someone who prefers men. He hasn't had that experience yet. That's right. And that's also, fantastic. The thing I wrote about the, um, I wrote about the plasma beams, you know, the, uh, uh, the Storm, Spectrum, and uh, Wonder Man uh, yeah. being functionally immortal as long as they stay in their energy forms. Why isn't that true of Mark? As long as he has a body to inhabit, eat, and jump out of, he can effectively stay alive forever, right? So what is his idea of gender going to be a hundred years? Holy cow. Right? Is he male or female? And, in a hundred years, right? He's going to go with what's in your mind. That's crazy. Right? So, I like it. I like it. I like it. So does that leave for a spin-off of like uh, Mosaic twenty ninety nine? Then <laughs> I would. No, please, I would please don't dangle these things in front of me. Oh my god, I would write that in the morning. I would write that tomorrow morning. Oh my god, or time traveling Mosaic from the future to come back and say, "Stop being a dick. Let's get to the good part." You know. Uh, <laughs> You know, I can tell you one thing about the future. You're a dick until you're 40. Why don't we cut that in half? <laughs> you know, so, uh, uh, go and meet this person now instead of in 20 years. Go get him right now. You know, um, so you yeah, know, I, mean, I definitely, right. I mean, you oh, wanna, all those things, this is why I like what you guys are talking about. These are things that are built into the concept if it's allowed to take, if it's allowed to take its time and go. Right. Oh, I hope it is because that's such crazy stuff that I love this kind of <laughs> It's science. All you gotta remember with me. Oh, here's my thing. I'm gonna say this out loud and everyone will know I thought it up. <laughs> um, the Marvel Universe is essentially a science fiction. DC Universe yes, right. is a fantasy universe. Um, oh. Yeah, see? Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You heard it. I want attribution every time. Um, okay. but, uh, 
the idea being that, and this is how crazy I got with this theory. Asgard actually exists in the DC universe. Krypton exists in the Marvel, existed in the Marvel universe. And the, the, uh, the ship that Kal-El was shot out of was not just a spaceship, but a dimension ship. And it actually shot him into the magical universe. <laughs> oh my goodness. And every, and every time Thor comes down to Earth, whatever, he's leaving the DC universe to enter the Marvel <laughs> So fantasy uh, magical aspects <laughs> transcend from DC into Marvel and vice versa. That's my, that's pretty fascinating. Only mind in crazy mind. But you remember where you heard it, because I'm the only one. but so yeah, so like um so it's a science fiction story. Like that's one of the things I think that made actual like like my approach to mosaic was I'm telling you a story set in the Marvel universe, but this is essentially a science fiction story. So right. like, the thing, the tropes that I'm trying to hang it on, yes, we'll have the occasional superhero appearance, occasional supervillain battle, things like that. But uh, in its essence, this is a story of a person who had a horrible accident and lost his body and his whole life. And right. So it's science fiction. Well, I mean, that, that helps distinguish him further. I mean, I, I always thought that the comparisons to Dead Man were, were unfair to begin with. But, you know, Dead Man is, is, is very much a magic ghost character, a religious character even, whereas Mosaic is a science fiction character. But on top of that, I think the personality differences are even more... Uh, profound because you know dead man he was this neurotic hand-wringing how can i get to heaven guy who yeah who didn't he didn't enjoy his his time as dead man oh, whereas mosaic okay. yeah even though his whole life is falling around down around him mosaic and mowers he seems to be kind of enjoying the ride yeah i mean like, he's, a, he's, he's that guy He's, he's a thrill seeker. He's a yeah, yeah. He's adrenaline junkie. So he's never well, yeah, going to be a top basketball player if he wasn't. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Um, so we've gotten we've gotten to see Morris's dad or pops. Um, is his mom still around? Where's Morris's or mom? To where's, be where's, determined. Oh, I know where she is. I just don't know if no, I'm she... uh, Okay. 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 That's a spoiler. Spoilers. That's a spoiler. Right. That's a spoiler. All right. That's a, <laughs> That's a, a river song spoiler. moment. I understand. When um, you meet, let me put it like this: the return of Morris's mom, or whatever information we get out about Morris's mom, that's going to be its own issue. At least its own oh. issue. Nice. Um, Pretty like old. if that, but we expect it soon. We got plenty of kicking of Morris to do well before that. <laughs> Morris needs to get smacked a whole lot before he meets up with that. Um, but. <laughs> Morris is getting the crap kicked out of him a lot. Just trust me on that. My plan for Morris is not pretty for me. That's great for us. But, oh, uh, excellent. Uh, Poor Morris. Yeah. Morris He'll probably hate well, you if he ever I, met you in person. What'd you do to me? <laughs> yeah, Morris, is, Morris would not like me very much. Um, but uh, the thing about him, though, remember, um, what is it? He's on this journey. Uh, in every issue, he has the opportunity to be both evil and good. Yeah, right. He has right. both choices to make. And I, I, I don't know if I did an issue one because he just freaking the fuck out in issue one. But Can't I think for that. I would too. In, in every issue, um, he's done something that you're like, wow, that was pretty shitty. And something that was reasonably good and decent. So, um, uh, that's the dichotomy of him. And we, he was going to look up one day, like he said, 
and he will have all these little chips of little bits of other people in him that are now just part of him. And he will be behaving differently than he himself expected him to behave. He may ask the question out loud, why did I want to do that? Why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, why am I down here doing this? You know, this sucks. Right? <laughs> why do I, why did I just leave? I don't have to stay here. He's completely free to, of, of, of um, what you call it? The outcome of his actions, he doesn't have to care. If he does care, it's mm. peace. Right? Right. Something, right. something gets too hairy, I can just leave the body I'm in and keep after that body. I'm out. Right? You can zap the body. Yeah. You can hurt the body, but all that does is make me leave the body. The body gets hurt, and then I'm back to myself, and I can go do what I want. You can't see me. You can't track me. Fine. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you could just turn... He could, like, there's so many ways he could go when a person's removed from the consequences of their actions, you find out who they are. Who you are when no one's looking at you, who you are. Right. The freedom mm-hmm. of non-culpability. I mean, uh, it's, right. I, I, I understand that you're not a big fan of sports. You know, basketball is not one of your passions. I, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <laughs> You, you had him be a professional, uh, an NBA superstar just because you wanted a vehicle for celebrity. That celebrity, because they're also non-culpable for their actions in a lot of ways because of their celebrity. Celebrity was important to Mosaic's early concept. Is that right? Yeah. It's, it, it's an interesting thing. I mean, cause, um, you know, but at the same time that, um, you know, it allows him to get away with a lot of rotten stuff. It also shelters him and makes and leaves him ignorant to all the things that were going on behind his back. Um, right. You know, Mosaic, it's becoming Mosaic has taken from him this celebrity, but it's also opened his eyes. And it's yeah. an interesting trade-off. I really like that. One of the things um, that I like, I would try to do with the big revelation about Cece and um, Tia was we went around and around about that, and a lot of it was about what's the, what's the age tone of the book. Like, my first tip from that was a lot different for that moment of discovery. <laughs> Let's just say what they were doing. What they were doing when Morris discovers his girlfriend doesn't love him was not standing around talking. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and one of the things I wanted to get across was that you can fake a lot of things, but if someone knows, if someone actually loves you, there's a huge difference. You can instantly feel the difference between right. a person who likes you and a person who loves you. Really, truly loves you. I don't mean just for sex, I mean he loves you. So, the second he's in contact with a true love relationship, like a capital T, capital L love relationship, you can, there's no way you couldn't know the difference between that and whatever you would do. Right. Interesting. So, that moment would be not just a crushing blow, oh my god, my girlfriend's cheating on me or whatever. I thought she loved me. She said she loved me. Clearly, this is what love actually is for her. This person who loves her right back exactly the same way. And it isn't about, you know, being horizontal with each other. They just truly love each other. And, right. That's and correct. To be, to be hit, hit with that spotlight out of, after living in the dark and looking thoughtless about relationships. That's going to hit you hard. It's going to change like, that's what, that's the turning point which makes me like, I gotta talk to my dad. The hell with getting in my body, whatever. What the fuck, dad? You know? Yeah. Um, it's like, much but it's more not, than just being puckled. No, that's not it at all. I mean, yeah. again, it's, we only have 20 pages. If, 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 I tend to want my characters to talk, 
superhero comics are about physicality. You try to strike a balance so that you get enough character while you're going through all the stuff. Um, I cannot stress in this. Marvel was very brave to let me do it. I feel like this is 75% of what I was interested in. Neat. And the other 25% is the things that are required by the convention of the kind of comic. Right? <laughs> um, we're going to do the superhero gavel as crossover events and Spider-Man and all that stuff. By the way, none of that is a reaction to sales. By the time the sales come in, we already knew we were going to do Oh, you like this. Initially, it wasn't even going to be Spider-Man. It was going to be Tony Stark. <laughs> good, uh, good. Really? Thing. Okay, and you know why it wasn't Tony Stark? Because he yeah, he's awesome. dead. I'm assuming he's in yeah, yeah, coma. Like, this is great, Jeff. Let me introduce you to this Riri Williams. And I was like, what, who the hell is Riri Williams? <laughs> like, uh, that they gave me all of this stuff, like, well in advance of the public announcement. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so, um, so I was like, well, who else is that smart that we have left? And, you know, Nick's like, you know, I, I, I do have to fight him. You know, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, um, and that's freaking about. smart. That was well, the best line ever. Hey, he invented those web shooters in his high school bedroom. Yeah. Like, well, he's and, not just and smart, uh, he's crazy smart. I love that issue. The only thing I didn't like about it, and it's a, is oh. a, this is a, a sideways uh, uh, complaint, is that um, uh, Lopez and Randolph did such a fantastic job illustrating <laughs> Spider-Man that I'm now worried that the Spidey books are going to try and pilfer him away from Mosaic. <laughs> you know what? I, I mean... I, I, I consider Kari and Amelia the co-creators of um, the um, From my point of view, anyone who does But you got to remember these guys' careers. Mosaic is relatively small in the firmament. And if Spider-Man books decided they wanted Kari, and he said, I don't know, man, what should I do? I'd be like, are you stupid? You should already be drawing that book. <laughs> get, up, get up the phone and start drawing Spider-Man. That's a huge, huge career bump. Like if they did yeah. do that, I would I would be the first person in line to applaud. And, and if Marty would take Amelia, you know what I mean? He does. <laughs> um, he does draw a great Spidey. Yeah, he, he does. does. That was does. that that whole issue, like in terms of art, was just I was blown away. I was totally blown away by it. I was like, this is insane. I was like, holy crap! Like how do you, how, uh, how do you give direction to draw that? That's just that's. Here's, here's how good they are. Here's how good they are. Yeah. I thought all those little hexagons that seen from earlier issues, I thought they were all just grabs from those earlier issues. He drew them all. Wow. Yeah. Those are not, they didn't go to the issue and just pull out that frame and stick it in there. They drew and colored those issues. So if there's a style change, they did it. Wow. Holy cool. Crap. Yeah, yes. and all, all, all the different Spidey outfits from different eras. That was so neat. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. That was fun. I, and people were like, I read some of the comics, like, who's the guy in the net head? And I was like, do you not know what Spider-Man did prior to being Spider-Man? <laughs> you know, I was like, I can think he's the best Marvel! <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that was that, that book of all the books. I have to tell you, though, what they've got coming up. I just saw the art for five, the colored art for five. And if you like that, you're in for a treat. There's, oh, I can't uh, wait. Yeah, this could be great. Honestly. They're only getting better. They're only getting better. They like every issue of them like locking down on 
my phone ringing. Hold on, hold up, people. Uh, that's the, that's them locking it on the couch. So well, it's uh, now the the the. I know they throw Deadpool onto covers just to for no reason. Deadpool's not in the issue, right? <laughs> uh, there is under, under no circumstances. Under no circumstances. And I'm a good friend with Jerry Duggan, who's I think still writing Deadpool. I will never write a Deadpool. I will never write Deadpool okay. into anything. Uh, I'm not a Deadpool okay. fan. Um, so that's just an alt cover. That's just a, a yeah. That's uh, just an alternative yeah. cover. Do not expect to see Deadpool ever. Good. Ever, ever, ever. I also like I like Gary Duggan as, uh, as a writer quite a bit myself, but I am happy that Deadpool will not be showing up. Um, oh, no Deadpool, no, no Punisher. Uh, you you've mentioned that that um, although you know plateaued in a good place, the sales hasn't been as awesome as 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 hoped. Do, do you think that that's a byproduct of, of of mosaics being an inhuman? Because you know the inhumans caught a lot of uh, of negative flack for this sort of uh, notion that yeah, they were being brought in to replace the X Men or something. Let me say this: I used to be a very deeply entrenched Batwoman before. I am both a comic book professional and a gigantic fan of comics. Um, but I was never one of these sort of um, conspiracy theorists uh, about the backstage where somehow the company that makes the comic book is intentionally trying to screw the comic book reader. I never <laughs> understood that. Uh, I don't know where that sentiment comes from. I do not understand the negative backlash of the human to some sort of screw you to the X people. The X books, from my point of view, and by the way, I own up until I think last year or two years ago, 100% of every X comic that has ever been. That's uh, insane. Owned nice. Them. I followed them all. Uh, I loved the X Men for many, many, many decades. Okay. And Mag um, and Magneto's your favorite character. <laughs> oh God, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. Oh my God, why is he not in prison? <laughs> At least in prison. Jesus Christ. They could do a whole year of just the hunt for Magneto and the trial of Magneto and then the punishment of Magneto. Magneto's book should just be Magneto being punished every day for each person he's murdered over the course of his horrible career. I okay. hate Magneto. Oh my God, I hate Magneto. I can't. Tell us when how they you told really me that, feel. They told me Mosaic, they told me Mosaic was going to take over Magneto. I was like, Yes, he is going to take over Magneto. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Can you have Magneto ram his face into a wall multiple times? Can he do that? Oh, I hate that guy. Um, awesome. But, um, but, no, I don't but you him. love the X-Men. I do. I do. I like the concept of it. I, I like the original team. I like the all-new, all-different. I have a way to resurrect Thunderbird if I ever, if they ever ask me to. Um, awesome. uh, I have given huge thought to Forge and why they've never used him properly. Um, uh, how do Ford's powers actually work? That's a whole episode of Mindset. Okay. Nice. But this idea that a, a publishing company would take its cash cow, gut it, and then take a relatively obscure, obscure set of, of potential villains, potential adversaries, sort of flavoring in the Fantastic Four and say, you know what we're going to do? These guys are going to now be the X-Men. Screw you, X-Men. You've only made us billions of dollars over the last 30 years. To hell with you. Right? And all your stupid fans. Go bite me. Fight me. All of you, you suck. What, what company is doing that? None. Zero. No company ever did that. Right? Yeah. And what you see well, in all of the... You're speaking logic. 
Logic right. doesn't well, it doesn't see. apply to these. Things. Oh. <laughs> here's here's a little bit of here's a little bit of fact about it. Remember the run up to um, the big IVX and all the conversation about um, well, this is it. This is when they're going to kill off all the mutants, shove the ones they don't that they don't want to definitely kill into limbo, and it'll just be a human and human and human everywhere, right? right. And to then all fun. of a sudden, resurrection. And then resurrection was announced. And what did we hear from that contingent? Crickets. They didn't didn't say we were wrong. They didn't go, oh, I guess they had a plan for this the whole time because these things are planned out a minimum of six months before you hear about it. I suppose I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that the X fans have been, uh, not not all of them, some of them, some vocal minority have been <laughs> sort of you know calling out that the X Men are going to be shifted off to another planet. Um, oh, I, I, shut I, up! Shut yeah, up! That's yeah. Not I, it's it's it's, but, it's and not. They, and, they haven't. They didn't say that though until the Royals was announced. Really? I, I swear I've seen it. Yeah, that's, long that's before when that. I started seeing it. I start thinking, oh, they're going to go off into space, and I'm like, well, royals are going off into space. Oh no, I, I, mean, I mean just the X Men. I mean the X Men rumors oh, that they've been going off into another here's planet. What I say about, here's what I say about the X Men, and it's something about mutants that has always given me crazy. Uh, and it's because and it's weird they don't remember. Let's say, oh my god, we can do this for weeks. <laughs> quote everything I'm saying. Quote me. Quote me. Quote. Okay. Um, uh, when the X Men were in their, when the X Men were in their heyday, they had multiple books. Right, some of them individual books, miniseries for everybody. Gambit had a book. Gambit, come on. Okay, great. I can't believe they're even talking about a Gambit movie. It's Gambit for God's sake. But um, I have a really good. I have a good friend that is a big fan of Gambit, and he will. I'm going to make him listen to this podcast. (laughs) Why are you a fan of Gambit? Gambit. Even his costume is ridiculous. Why would anyone wear that? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Whatever. But everyone has their fans. Everyone has their fandom. God bless you for loving Gambit. I personally do not like him. But here's Each the thing. Nobody was whining when the X-Men were dominating everything. Every new character that came about was a mutant. You know, um, the, the humans aren't anywhere near the proliferation. Remember, the, the X-Men were started out, and I quote, children of the atom. Which means... There were no mutants prior to the explosions of atomic energy on Earth. Okay, over the course of Chris Claremont's insane run, some of which was insanely good, and some of which was just insane, um, we suddenly had so many mutants all over the planet that they had their own country. Yeah. Okay, yes. a country full of mutants. Well, I mean, I think that takes yeah. away their specialness, frankly. I think that's a lot of lazy writers and some people on the business side going. Hey, the kids love these mutants. Let's give them some more. You can always use real mutants. It's easy. Puberty. Cool. Mutants. Let's have some more. You know? <laughs> you know? And there was no sort of whining or public outcry about the 90 Wolverine books that used to exist. You know? Oh Frankly, yeah. I've had all the Wolverine. Let's have X23 be Wolverine so I can continue to love you. Yeah. And, and that, hey, and that, hey, I'm just, just going to say no. that X23 oh. is Wolverine, but all new Wolverine has been excellent. Um, yeah. I, I I have read the first arc and I am not an X Men fan and I have read the first mm-hmm. arc and I enjoy it. I gotta go pick up the rest of it actually. I love X twenty three. I love X twenty three. Laura is a girl. Um, <laughs> She's but, awesome. But the the Inhumans have never been that. They've never you know, tried to be that. And the crazy over proliferation of mutants takes away their specialness. Mutants should be rare. They should be so rare that when they show up, they're scary because everyone hates and fears them. 
in a world where the Fantastic Four exists and one of them is a rock monster who walks around New York and goes to baseball games, how do you justify, <laughs> how do you justify hating mutants on sight? They must be rare and being near them must be creepy as hell. There's a whole yeah, country of right? Regular humans should have said. some sort of, should have some sort of visceral response like, also by the way, it's not unreasonable to hate and fear mutants. That's another thing that people always forget in the metaphor about, um, uh, oh, they're a proxy for gay people and a proxy for this minority or that minority. But the thing that was leave out in that allegory is gay people and black people and Latin people and women, we don't spontaneously explode in the middle of something and then reform and do it again. We don't shoot laser beams out of our eyes. We don't have big metal claws that pop out of the back of our head where we can kill people and when you shoot us, we don't die. That doesn't happen. So it's perfectly reasonable for a society to go, well, holy shit, look what this teenager just did because he was mad about not getting tickets to the new, you know, <laughs> Drake concert. He <laughs> lost his mind and turned everyone into plants. Holy crap! You know, we better we better get a registry of this thing. This can't take this can't go on. Now, you can talk about it as bigotry and all you want, but if that crap happened in reality, in our world, the least we do is want to know where they were. Mm. Right? Yeah. The least you want to do is, okay, where are the mutants? I'm not trying to round you guys up. You can go to school and everything, but every police force in every city where you live should know exactly where the hell you are in case that day you decide to go loco. Some of you guys can turn into giants and rip the top off a building. You know? Who's that one guy who just bursts into flame and flies around? Who's making him not do that every day? Him? <laughs> I'm trusting him not to do that every day? <laughs> you, you know, will you trust the human torch? Don't talk to me about the human torch. That's a regular guy who's on superpowers. He knows what's up. This kid is a mutant, you know? And, and, and also you have Magneto, once again. We're going to replace you. We're going to replace you. We're the next thing. You ought to get used to it. Either dead or slaves. Look, we're better. You know? Right. If that guy's on TV every year taking over a city or blowing up a Russian sub or something and going, this is your future world. I think it's a perfectly reasonable response to build a few sentinels. I'm sorry. Okay. I would be the, and I'm crazy liberal. I'd be on the White House lawn. Build some fucking sentinels. Some of these people are crazy. Okay. Some of these mutants are out of their minds. You better lock them down today. You know, whereas with the indigenous, it's a whole other society, right? They spent their entire past hiding from us, keeping themselves separate just for, just to prevent all of this crap. They weren't interested in world domination, right? They just lived in their little city and did their stuff. The freaking Fantastic Four decided to date one of the royal family. You guys would have never known about us. Okay. And Crystal, yep. you're grounded. <laughs> Crystal, you're grounded. off. I want to talk. When she says I'm going to get out of the castle, what did we say about teleporting Crystal to New York? What did we say, locked up? Right? Bad dog. Bad dog locked a very bad dog, right? So the humans are different species, different animal altogether. There's, there's no comparison between them. They cannot occupy the space occupied by mutants, right? Yeah, um, right. I agree with that. Yeah, I do. They have their own culture, and that's and then people are like, well, they they blew up Adelan, and then you know now it's all like the the X Men. I'm like, but no, now you have a society that has no choice but to try and integrate themselves, which is why I found that's the last. I think, well, it, the one the thing that 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 I find interesting and important is that you know 
with Inhumans, they got another chance to do something similar to the X-Men, but starting from fresh. And as a result, many, the majority of the new Inhumans have been reflective of, of society as it really is, meaning that yes. it's much more diverse group of characters. Yeah. Um, yes. And, yes. and Absolutely that's more been diverse. very important. Um, I agree with that. And it was, and it was also, yeah. by the way, important to Axel Alonso in our conversations, our very early conversations. Mosaic was not designed specifically to be an inhuman. He could have had any origin, literally any right. origin, right? Could have caused that effect. He might not have been a basketball player, but we could have ended up with, we still could have had a dick who ended up being Mosaic, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Axel was like, look, we have an opportunity here with these inhumans. To bring some diversity into the Marvel Universe. And one of the things that I said too was, the problem, one of the problems I have with mutants overall is they only have the same origin. Right. You just said about the, um, the humans. Yes, they all get cocooned. Okay, that's their origin. They can get cocooned at different stages of life. The length of time you spend in the cocoon, um, uh, is random. It all varies, yeah. Right? Yeah. With Moon Girl, she decides I'm an inhuman before there's any proof beyond her own intellect that she's an inhuman. <laughs> it just declares I'm a fucking human. You know. She well, she figured it out. She's smart. Right. But I'm like, okay, Luna, you're also you're also a bunny. That's adorable. You know. Uh, but my my point my point being that it's like I think people they just want to grasp. When I was growing up in comics, our arguments were always about who can do stronger than who is, or better than who can. Uh, if the Fantastic Four can do this, then how can they couldn't do that? It was, but there's this basic sort of hostility and animosity that comes into a lot of the conversations. And I'm like, if you don't like Inhumans, here's a solution. Simply don't purchase the books that involve Inhumans. Yeah, exactly. I know, I know it's crazy. I know it's a crazy theory, but if enough of you don't buy a book, guess what happens to the book? It goes away. It's yeah. not, it's not because we don't all love, we don't all love, you know, uh, I love the Black Widow. Personally, I'm glad he has a book. It looks like it might not be around based on solicitation. Or well, Somni actually just said it was only planned to be a 12-story arc anyway. There you go, right? And then at some point, someone else will pick it up. Or or yeah. not. If, I guarantee you, if the sales had put it up in the top five, there'd be a 13th arc. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's a business. People always forget about that. These are publishing companies. They put these books up to make money. And all this talk about, um, oh, uh, just abuse of notion. Because I actually do pay attention to some of this stuff. Um, Marvel Comics doesn't get to coast. Right? Marvel Comics must remain profitable. Definitely. Right. Okay? So these notions that, well, the movies are really where everyone's at, and they're just putting these books out to shore up the movies, and this division can lose all of it, that's horseshit. That's completely horseshit. Okay? Marvel must compete. Marvel must beat DC, and DC must beat Marvel, and every once in a while, the balance of power shifts, depending on what's going on for a few months, but they are locked in, in, a, in a battle for the ages forever, as long as both companies exist. They will be trying to one-up each other because there's money, lots of money involved. Checks that they write to me are real money that get cashed. The work that I do with my editors and my artists is real work. No one has time to sit around and go, you know what we can do this week to screw the X-Men? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but I, there, I, you, I have to imagine though that that 
a part of you must be like, man, if Mosaic was was created 10 years ago, he would have been an X-Men and everyone would love him so much. I've got to tell you, I honestly don't feel that way. Um, okay. uh, here's what I, well, let me tell you this. Uh, I always hated the rise of Wolverine required the destruction of Cyclops. I never understood that paradigm. Okay. Oh, Cyclops, yeah. for, for the young the young people in the audience, Cyclops used to be the Captain America of mutants. He used to be the yep. guy that if you if the door got knocked down and the and and, and the bad guys were coming, Sentinels and the whatever the various uh, sons of whatever the sons of genetics or whoever was after the mutants that week, and the other side of the world, right, the Brotherhood of whoever, and you're running for your life and you kicked you with, you got trapped somewhere and a door came down, you standing in the center of the floor was that guy with that glowing red dot in the middle of his face. That was the equivalent of that guy being Captain America if you were a mutant. And you knew you were covered. Right? And then people decided they liked the guy with the claws who murders people. And they decided to give um, Cyclops' girlfriend. They decided to write her as being more attractive to Wolverine. They decided to write Storm as suddenly being more attractive to a guy who would rip her throat out as soon as he looked at her. And all of a sudden, Wolverine became everybody's alpha male fantasy. And in a way, that's cool. That's fine if that's a public one. But they also began to turn Cyclops into a person that had to be murdered and replaced by a younger self in order to clean the character up. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, why did you do this? This doesn't make any sense. So when I look at my own character, I'm just I'm just trying to tell you guys the best story I can. Yeah. Because I know at some point, I know at some point, even in the best case scenario, let's say I'm the best writer and everyone deems me the best writer. That's not going to happen. But let's say it did. Okay. And my characters, whatever I touch is gold for a few years. Like what happened to Alan Moore, what happened to Bendis for a while. Although apparently everyone hates Bendis now. With it, so. um, I like Bendis. <laughs> everyone like Bendis. Everyone loves Bendis. It's, he, the reason we refer to him as Bendis is because he gets one name and everyone knows who he is. Why? Because for a while, he was the most popular. Why? Because he was the best. Get over it. You know? But... Yeah. Um, what happens is someone's going to take over my character eventually, so I can't be a person invested in it the way you're describing as I would if it was the characters I'd make up with my, my best friend for our own independent films. You know, if someone started shitting on that or changed them in a different direction or, or loved them this year and now he's trapped this year or whatever, I would take that very, very personally. But I'm doing my best for you guys to make this. And whenever I have to put Mosaic down, whatever day that is, I will walk away from Mosaic knowing I did the best story I could tell. And if only 30, quote unquote, only, put that in quote, if only 30,000 people loved it, that's 34,000 more people than would have ever seen him. Before. Right? Um, right. And whether, whether he's an inhuman or not, all of that conversation to me, that's just gas. Um, yeah. The people who love it, especially like, again, the reason I'm talking to you now, you got it. You're saying things on your podcast without prompting your own discussion amongst yourselves. That I'm like, well, I think you have you've been doing a fantastic job, and absolutely, it's been such a fun book to read. And although although it's, I I don't deserve anything, but I feel a vicarious sense of pride that he is an inhuman. (laughs) Yes, yeah. You know what we call the black in the scripts? You know what we call the little black um bits of mosaic that are floating around, the energy that floats around. Uh, Kirby Crackle. We call them Kirby Square because the other Kirby energy is Kirby Dot. Backstage, Kirby they're dots. called Kirby Dot. 
right? Uh, okay. The, the normal yeah. energy you associate with Jack Kirby, right? So this is like that only in square. So they're Kirby squares. Um, I love the Inhumans. I, I have all the issues of the Inhumans ever printed. Okay. I have nice. the oh, oh, and another thing for your podcast. That when I broke into Marvel Animation, I wrote a Spider-Man episode focused on Triton and the Inhumans. <laughs> that was your episode? Yes, that was the first episode that I wrote for Spider-Man was that. And the last episode I wrote, the Madam Web episode, takes place in a destroyed human city. And they deal with <laughs> oh, human traps. Nice. Okay. That's awesome. I, I, I remember seeing those those episodes actually popped up quite a bit in the thread because everyone was really excited to see Triton. And they're like, look, look, it's Triton and Spider-Man. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yep. And, they're, and their second visit, they go to the defunct uh, human city of, I think, Oroland. And they fight a whole bunch of inhuman booby traps. And That's awesome. It, I mean, I, I don't understand why people can just... Comics should be loved. I don't understand yeah. anyone who, who can stand back and hate on any aspect of comics. I don't like Moon Knight, but you know what I do? I don't read Moon Knight. That's the end of it. Right. There's, there's <laughs> enough characters for everyone, I feel, especially nowadays yeah. with how Marvel's done it, that... You know, yeah. if you don't like a character, that's fine. You don't have to read them. There's someone else you like, and like they do, they they tend to have a character for everyone. Yes. And sometimes and I think they have a book at the time, but you know, you can yeah. always count on them to show up somewhere. Shouldn't they? I mean, I love Mockingbird. I'm one of the thirty. Hey, all right. I Me freaking too. love Mockingbird, and when so it went good. away, I wrote. You know that image from uh, the original Planet of the Apes where uh, Charlton Heston's like, "You blew it up! You blew it up!" <laughs> He sees the he sees the uh, Statue of Liberty half of the beach, the big face. Yeah. I took the time to make a, a gif where I replaced the Statue of Liberty with the last cover of, of Mockingbird. <laughs> Wait, and I'm like, yes. How did that not go viral? I did not see this. I'll send it to you. I'll, I'll post it in the uh, I'll post it in a forum. Uh, but yeah, the I mean, the Mockingbird appreciation thread. They'll they'll get a kick out of it. Who doesn't love? Love comics. You should just love them. There's no room in it for you to. For me, anyway, to constantly be going at each other about this and about that, and taking it to this crazy, this crazy level of where people are actually angry at each other, I'm like, they're not, they're not real. They're just not, you know. We're making a few enjoy yourself and maybe learn a little bit of something. You know, right. That's it. You know, no one's trying to make you vote one way or the other or change your religion or maybe telling you a few morality stories that maybe you already agree with and reinforce or maybe you never thought of that. And that's kind of the extent of it. You know, and it's fun. I love comics. I'm, I'm getting rid of comics because I have fifty thousand, and I'd like to have maybe twenty. You know? <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm like literally giving comics away and donating them to places because I have too many. But I freaking love comic books, you know. And I don't get where this hatred, this anger, all seeps in. It's just no better. It's got it. Yeah, it it's, doesn't make sense to me. Well, I just people, avoid people. it. Tend, they tend to look at it as a hydraulic model that if if one if a comment if one character goes up another character must go down and not a zero it's not a game, right right work like um, because true, if, if, I guarantee you, if Marvel had I'm telling you, if enough people bought Squirrel Girl right at the same time that everyone was buying you know um, let's say the Punisher ongoing um, that. And, and every mar- and an entire Marvel was, the entire top 10 or entire top 20 was different Marvel comics. Marvel's not going to cancel those books because, well, we don't really like Mockingbird. These fans, they're annoying us. We're going to screw them by canceling these characters. It doesn't work like that. No one's screwing you. They would like to, 
Marvel's perfect world would be they destroy DC Comics. The top 300 comics are all Marvel Comics and DC Comics. That would be Marvel's best day. The president of Marvel Comics, the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics that day, would have jobs for life. I think actually the competition makes both companies better, but I hear what you're saying. No, I'm saying you know, um, better, right? Yeah, but they're both there. trying to win. They're trying to win something. Yeah. So they're not trying to screw the fans. Nothing they do is based on trying to screw the fans. Zero. Either yep. company. Zero. Taking their best guess to sell you the best comics they can make, hopefully at a reasonable price, at least they Well, we know what, we know what characters, we know what characters you don't like. Which is your favorite X-Man? Uh, favorite X-Man? Urgh. Jesus. Or one so of your favorites. <laughs> one of your uh, favorites. Uh, one of my favorite X-Men. I would say one I like Cyclops. Um, All right. I used to I used to worship my Um I, I I I like Kitty quite a bit. Um, she's actually involved with a really interesting character. Um, we also oh Blink. Oh my God, I love Blink. Blink. Wow. I love her back. so much. That's Blink. my girl. Um, and I love X-22. I love it. And, and outside of Mosaic, do you have a, a particular inhuman who you're fond of? Um, let me think about that. Uh, I used to be fond, I used to be most fond of Black Bolt, but I think it's because he's so for last week. Um, well, I, that's, that's actually psychological. I think the, the less a character can do if they have a really beautiful design, Kirby's design for Black Bolt. No one has ever modified or made better. No, because it's beautiful. It's perfect. Yeah, it is. Perfect. It's literally a perfect design. But he didn't speak. He just did stuff. You, as a reader, can impose so many characteristics on Black Bolt that I would be surprised if most people didn't prefer Black Bolt to all of the other humans. Because he doesn't say anything. Right? <laughs> so you think he would say whatever you think he would say. Uh, but below Black Bolt, oh man, I used to be such a Gorgon fan. I love Oregon. Interesting. Love because of it, he's so he just loved me, and they, I think it's not known what to do with him. But uh, I I love Oregon. I love Oregon. Oh my god, I love it. And Lockjaw. I, you know what? <laughs> Lockjaw. Lockjaw. It's all about Lockjaw. Do not love Lockjaw though. I think Lockjaw. Everyone loves Lockjaw. Even yeah. people who say they don't like Inhumans, they love Lockjaw. I mean, how do you love Lockjaw? Yeah. Also, oh, this is cool. This is something you want. All right. What about your favorite new human, other than Mosaic? <laughs> other than Mosaic, well, are we counting Kamala? Or are I, I we would take her off to the side. All right. I would um, not count like Kamala. Her. Other than Mosaic and Kamala, because everyone loves her, you can't not love her. <laughs> yeah, that's she's true. Kind of adorable. Um, I'm pretty fond of Reader. Yes. Um, I think he's a little nice. bit overpowered. I think he's a little overpowered, but they think they seem to be handling that right now. Um, and I like, I like, I like Flint and I like Isaac. Um, nice. Uh, Good choices. Uh, nice. Good choices. Yes, definitely. Thank now, you very because much. we ask, we ask everybody and your, your opinion is, is important on this one. And I want you to think about it very carefully because it's a very important question. Okay, <laughs> are you ready? Yes, sir. Lock, I'm yes, I'm ready. Lockjaw. Lockjaw. Always a dog, or originally even <laughs> turned into a dog. I say, and people will be mad at me. I say, always have, he's a he was a humanoid in human who got humanized into a dog. 
Oh! I agree! Okay. Thank no. you! Thank <laughs> you! Okay. However, I do have the actual answer on that from Carl Soul, but I'm not telling. Carl Soul is like word. They could bite me on that. But here's why that yeah. must be so. Whenever anyone has ever referred to the re- the royal family of Adelan, they have always included Lockjaw. Thank you! What is the name of any Queen of England's pet? You know, they, she has got some, uh, some, some corgis. corgis. Yeah, that's but all we know. Yeah, corgi one and corgi two. It's it. It right, could be. We talk about. We don't talk about the. We don't talk about the queen's family, including her dogs. That's okay. true. That's well, true. If we, we did. My wife and I refer to our cats as members of our family, so I don't know. But we would not. We would. We would describe you both as insane. So, uh, uh, so, and here's, here's the thing that drives me nuts is that the original story, which established Lockjaw as a person who had been turned into a dog-like being, uh, was a beautiful story. I think most people who have not read it think, oh, it's just some weird throwaway story. But the circumstances which caused Lockjaw to speak for the first time, like the most important story points, it was a very plain story. Quicksilver. Do not risk this just to give your daughter superpowers you think she could have. Understand yes. the downside of the Terrigen transformation. I am the result. If you, can you still love your daughter if she comes out like this? Are you, Pietro Maximoff, bastard that you are, capable of loving your daughter under these circumstances? And the issue was, no, I'm not. Let's breathe. I'm putting my daughter into those myths. Well, your 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 logic is sound. Your answer ha! is also, is valid. But wait a minute, I can still. I'm, I'm afraid you're incorrect. I'm not incorrect. No, he's not. Ridiculous, he is 100% the ridiculous, correct. The ridiculous Peter David story that made it a joke that was played on the thing by yes. Carnac and Gordon. Okay, two two things are wrong with this story. Okay, I one. love you. You're amazing. Thank you for agreeing with me. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, it's, not, it's, it's just factually ridiculous. First of all, Karnak and Gorgon? Really? Big jokesters, are they? Big practical <laughs> jokesters. <laughs> right? When I think of Karnak and Gorgon, the first thing I think of is Jesus. Did they stop being so damn funny and get on with some super heroic? <laughs> okay. Thank you. I think okay. I, I, think I need one. to sit on the fence on this one. <laughs> point two. Point two. Okay. Again, we go back to the original situation. And I have nothing against Peter David overall as a writer. Okay. In this case, he made a mistake. Whoever editorially allowed him to make it also made a mistake. That was an incredibly important moment in the live character lives of some of the characters involved in the situation. The thing. A transformed human who is a monster now. Part of this whole thing is can I get my original body back? Okay. Mm. The daughter of Pietro, who is hated on by her father on some basic level because, oh, terrible, she came out human. She has neither mutant powers nor human powers, and I'm upset. What daughter wants a father looking at her like that? None. All right. Right. We've met massive. We have a masterful writing stroke from the writer of this book. Um, where a character we've seen and thought we knew for the last, at that point, what, 10 years, 15 years, who's only ever shown up and done stuff and grounds and whatever, because it's painful for him to speak, okay, takes this moment and says, 
Before you do this, understand what can happen. Okay. So in that moment, that's the moment that these two jokesters choose to make a joke at the expense <laughs> yes. of the thing. Yeah. Are you high? No. It's ridiculous. Of course, Lockjaw was a regular guy who got turned into a rock. And he's part <laughs> of the royal family. He's in succession to be king. By <laughs> Uh, this interview is a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. I win. I wish. I win. Whatever I, you say you have just been debunked. I win. If I sided with Doc, would that make it even? Doc. No. Yes. Okay, no, I, I, I side with Doc. One of us so therefore I win. It's a horrible tragedy right. that a person who was otherwise basically just normal, whatever we think of as normal, now even his thought processes have been changed by his transformation that he is essentially a dog. Yeah. Exactly. No, and it makes Crystal threatens sense. Crystal threatens to neuter him. It's absolutely it's inhuman. Uh, uh, well they are inhuman. They are inhuman. Well, <laughs> with the the last few minutes not ex, not not uh, notwithstanding, this has been Don't a you dare wonderful that interview. No, it not. will not be edited out. Seren will not let me. <laughs> It'll all I, so, I so appreciate you taking the time out uh, to of your of your Saturday to join us. This has been such awesome. tremendous yeah. fun. Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. And you guys are great. Thank you. Thank you. So much fun. Um, and all of you listening, thank you for listening. Uh, please uh, feel free to send us your questions, your comments. Anyone who does will get free codes while those codes still last. We got codes to all four issues so far of Mosaic to give away um, and uh, along with some other things so please let us know what you think um, what's the address guys after every issue of Mosaic I will be doing a Q&A in the Q&A Mosaic thread uh, comic book resources cool oh, excellent that's great that's uh, cbr.com community uh, Marvel Comics, you can find it there. And, um, yeah, that's definitely worth checking out because uh, some very cool questions and some even cooler answers are given there. Uh, the email address for the so um, uh, for, for the website is theshow at atalanrising.com And you can get us on Twitter at atalanrising1. Oh, and we have a Facebook right. as well. We have a Facebook page. Oh, do we? Yes. Did we get a Facebook oh. page? We got a Facebook page after the last show, but I forgot to say it, so uh, it, it just got to search Aslan Rising Podcast on Facebook. And it should appear. Oh, so okay. It's great. It should appear, but I haven't posted in it, so I'll have to find it. <laughs> I'll follow okay. you. I'll follow awesome. you guys. All right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Follow us. follow us, tweet us, and email us. Awesome. And until next time. Lockjaw is a dog. He Thank is you. Dog. Lockjaw's not a dog. Lockjaw's not a dog. <laughs> not a dog. And I'm going to end recording there.